You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. back on track with a 45 to 17 win over the Jets in week 10 and now it's time for my Buffalo Blues. What is up everybody? It is Victory Monday. The Bills dominated the Jets to get back mostly on track. It was a great performance from them. They improved to 6-3 and three on the season with that one. But the Patriots won as well, so uh, they're right behind the Bills in the division race. And should the Bills slip, it's going to be a very messy wildcard situation in the AFC. So let's get into the details of this game in particular. It was an interesting first half in that the Bills went into the locker room 17-3, mostly dominant. Um, No real cause for concern, I would say. But, you know, they scored on their first possession, uh, scored a touchdown to Matt Breda, who, welcome to the team finally, Matt Breda. And their second possession resulted in a field goal and then they stalled out a little bit and they punted a couple of times and you know they were just they were throwing the ball a lot and the Jets were able to key in on it a little bit after that first touchdown and they slowed it down and then a lot of field goal and then it was punt punt and after the Jets scored, they kicked the field goal to make a 10-3. The Bills got the ball back. And on that drive, they went down the field and they found uh, Diggs on that nice little kind of a fade route to the corner. Uh, took a couple of tries to get it in there, but good throws from Allen both times. And Diggs came away with it. So it's 17-3 going into the half. But at that point, the Bills had thrown the ball 24 times and ran it six times. And, you know, 17-3 is nothing to scoff at. You know, if they were playing a a better team and they were up 17-3, I wouldn't have even, like, thought twice about it. But, you know, it just felt like they were playing a much more dominant game than the scoreboard would suggest. And it seems like their, you know, possessions shouldn't have stalled out in the middle there. And had they not scored that touchdown and it was, say, like 10-3 or 13-3 going to the half, I would have had a lot more concerns. But what I wanted to see coming out of that and going into the second half was addressing the run game, especially with the lead in the second half. That's where you want to be able to run the ball and milk the clock and get ahead and all that good stuff. So starting... In the second half, they came out and they ran the ball a lot. 
a lot more, more than double than they did in the first half. So they ended up with 14 carries total in the second half. But the first drive out of the gates in the third quarter for them, they run the ball four times, throw it once. They get 52 yards on the ground and uh, a big play through the air for 23 yards. And touchdown. Uh, next possession, they come out. It's two plays, a big 49-yard pass. I think it was Davis on that one. And a 15-yard run. And I think that one was... Uh, I don't know. Might have been McKenzie's on that one. Let me double check. Second one. No, that was Breda's 15-yarder. And so looking at that, pray, that play from Breda, what I like to see on that is that I think part of what's been going on with the Bills run game is that when they line up in traditional run formations, like single back with a tight end in, or I formation, they kind of telegraph the run. They don't really block it up very well. And the Bills have struggled with, in particular, the single back stretch run because it just seems like they can't hold the corner. They can't hold the edge on that block. So whichever side they stretch it to ends up getting blown up and then the guy's got to cut it back inside and there's really nowhere to go there. And Moss and Singletary are not the fastest guys. So they struggle to get uh, to the edge with ease and the thing I like the most about this touchdown run to Breda is that they basically used the same look that they wanted to, but then they pitched it to Breda. So they give it to their fastest guy on a pitch in a ton of space. He's already at the edge. So there's not even a concern of whether or not that edge block is going to hold up. It's just whether or not he can make a play in space and get to the end zone. And with all that speed, he did it easily. Bills go up 31-3 at that point. And even on the next possession, they come out and uh, they threw it twice, ran it twice, getting big chunks through the air. Zach Moss punches that one in for a touchdown. And uh, Singletary ends up getting one later, too. So all their running backs chipped in. All of them scored. When you look at what they did just between the, the three of them, they posted, uh, I want to say, 70-something. I wrote it down, but I always lose it when I start recording. Singletary, Moss, and Breda actually combined for it 98 yards and three touchdowns. But the Bills as a whole ran for 139 yards because they mixed in uh, some sweeps and some reverses with Emmanuel Sanders and Isaiah McKenzie. And those two guys alone had 40-something yards on a couple of carries and a touchdown. So it was really nice just to see that Brian Dable looked directly at the types of issues they were having with the run. Not just, we can't run, we can't run block, our, run, our running backs are not good enough. None of that. Like, he designed the right kind of plays to maximize all those guys' skill sets and... As a result, the Bills had one of their better overall rushing efforts of the season. And it didn't affect the passing game at all. And like I've been saying all along, when the Bills came out and started to run the ball more effectively in the second half, they pulled away. They were far more effective scoring when they started running the ball effectively. You know, they scored 17 first half points. They scored 28 second half points. And you look at the overall play distribution in the second half 
they ran the ball twice as much as they threw it in the first half, and they're scoring shot way up. And you would think that, you know, okay, maybe Josh Allen's not going to have a good game because of that, but that's not the case. He threw for 360-something yards, a pair of touchdowns, one, you know, not great interception and a couple of sacks. But other than that, he went 21 of 28 for 366. So the running game did not affect the Bills' ability to throw the ball down the field and get big plays. If anything, it made it far more effective because all of a sudden the defense had to come up and create some more isolation with those receivers. You saw Diggs getting open a lot more. Good to see him back looking like the guy that dominated last season. And he had 13 targets, 8 catches, 162 and a touchdown. That's what, you know, we've all been waiting for to see from Diggs. And that's all going to come from the run game opening up. Because the more you have to stack the box, the more you actually have to commit to the run, the more one-on-ones you get. And when you're one-on-one with Diggs, he's going to win that matchup more often than not. And he did. And very quietly, it was nice to see Gabriel Davis have his best game of the season. He had three grabs for 105, and that 49-yarder in the first half was his as well. So his yards per catch was in the 30s. Diggs was in the 20s, and Davis had no drops. Sanders had a pair for 27. Breda had a couple. Beasley not really involved. Knox had one nice one. But having Knox back was important in terms of how the defense wants to line up personnel-wise, change the look on some of those runs. So it's no coincidence that Knox is back and their offense looks a lot better right away. On the other side of the ball, the defense looked great. Uh, They did give up some garbage time points late in the game. I mean, this game was 38-3 before the Jets actually scored a touchdown again, or before they scored their first touchdown. And still, like, giving up 17 is really nothing in the modern NFL, and it doesn't really hurt the Bills' overall defensive numbers for the year. And when you look at this game, despite the Jets putting up 17, like, there's no way to look at this game and think the Bills didn't dominate defensively. Uh, Every single one of their players in the secondary had a turnover. They forced Mike White into four interceptions, I believe it was Levi Wallace, Teron Johnson, Trey White, and Poyer got the last one, and Micah Hyde ended up recovering a fumble from Corey Davis at some point. So all those guys were involved. I mean, I believe that the Bills have had the best secondary in football for a while. Uh, Just when they got that safety tandem over there and then brought in Trey White, it was like, you know, they're building the kind of pass defense that reminded me of that old Seattle team just really good coverage guys ball hawks everywhere some guys that can hit some guys that can really play some excellent man defense some good zone guy kind of built very much like Seattle was like Levi is a tall leaner corner you got the strong man coverage on one side good zone coverage on the other side Uh, and both those guys can do the opposite as well And then you got those two safeties just lurking around back there, looking to make plays, come down, stuff runs. All they needed was a little bit of pressure up front and more consistent linebacker play, and those things have started to come. And you can see the results with the defense. Like, they look amazing right now. So as those things have lined up, 
the results speak for themselves. The Bills have a plus 145 point differential, which is just absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, they didn't get the sacks on Mike White. So you, if you look at the stat sheet, you're going to be like, oh, the Bills, like, maybe didn't get after the quarterback the way you thought. They didn't have the kind of tackles for loss that they've been accustomed to in some of their uh, better games. Right? Actually, that's not true. My apologies. They didn't sack the quarterback as much as they have lately, but they did have six tackles for loss. And I think if you were to break down just the pressures in this game, the Bills got a ton of pressure on White. And you see it, like he was getting hit over and over. Ed Oliver was playing really well. Uh, it was Aboda came in and played really, really well. Russo played well. So even though Justin Zimmer's out and... Uh, Tremaine Edmonds was out. The Bills still did what they wanted to do defensively. It didn't even look like they missed that much. And if they start getting this kind of production from Aboda alongside Groot and they get some consistent rotation. Oh, yeah, Star Latule was out as well. So if they're able to get some consistent rotation in the middle with their tackles and they get that kind of edge rush from Epinesa, Russo, Abada, Basham. Addison even like if these guys all start playing well together at the same time which they have been playing pretty well it's just we haven't seen them be a, a dominant defensive line not that they've played poorly at all they just haven't looked like say that Jason Pierre Paul Giants team or the Bucks championship team last year where their defensive line is essentially impenetrable um but the Bills are getting there. A lot of these guys are still young. They're still trying to find the right blend of who plays with who, who's lining up in what positions, what kind of stunts, what kind of angles they want to run, all that kind of stuff. What kind of blitz packages they want to bring in. So the Bills are getting there. But in the meantime, I really have no worries uh, in terms of how they perform so far. Their defenses looked great all but one game against the Titans and realistically in the first half in that game they were pretty dominant too but you know sooner or later you get tired out there and Derrick Henry's an animal and it's just if any team's going to tire out a great defense it's going to be that Titans team so not too much to be ashamed about there we've seen that the Titans are eight and two they find a way to win they're just they're pretty good so I don't take any shame in that loss it's still a game that the bills could have won too so just in terms of overall games where maybe the defense hasn't played like the super elite group um that's the only one and they still played pretty well in that takeaway you know a big two plays take away that one big julio catch and that one derrick henry 76 yard touchdown run and the bills played really well in that game so at least their defense did so no worries there. Um, I'm a little sidetracked because I'm also watching Monday Night Football because I'm behind on my schedule. But at the same time, you know, this is kind of fun. A little double dip. Right now, the Niners are looking good. The Rams defense is not what it was last season, especially their run defense. I mean, Ramsey's still a pain in the ass to deal with. Donald still gets pressure, but you can run the ball on this team. And teams are figuring that out. You know, they lost last week in a game that they shouldn't have to the Titans. So enough about the Rams. Uh, we'll see if they score and make it a game here. But 
I'll probably finish recording before we even get to halftime. I don't know what else I want to talk about. Everything was about as good as you could ask for in this game. Uh, I'm giving their performance grade an A. I would have given it an A+, if it had been against another good team. But because, you know, I had a sinking feeling that even with the Jets' wins, they still weren't really good. So just shy of an A+, because the Bills did basically everything they wanted to. Um, all their running backs stepped in. Their best receiver played like their best receiver and like the best receiver in the league again. Josh Allen played like MVP caliber. Uh, even though Emmanuel Sanders didn't uh, hit those big plays down the field like we've seen him hit over and over again this season. Him and Isaiah McKenzie became involved in the run game, and just adding that wrinkle to the Bills' offense is going to hold those defensive lines that want to run downhill. Uh, it's going to give Josh Allen the opportunity, like we saw in this game, to be a little bit more deceptive with where the ball is going. And that's what I was saying earlier about uh, the Bills lining up and kind of telegraphing those runs, those single back runs. Like anytime they run a stretch, like the defense just sees where the ball is and they just collapse on it and the Bills never get anything out of it. So when you start using all this lateral movement, maybe even like fold in some RPOs into the way they want to run this kind of stuff, start running sideways rather than north and south. And then the north and south stuff will come later in the game. Like we saw with Singletary and Moss, they both got their carries kind of like running between the tackles. They both got their touchdowns, I should say, running hard between the tackles. Um, and all that stuff will start to come together. So it was a good game to like experiment and see how they wanted to do things. It's going to be important. I mean, it's November. You're going to have to be able to run the football. Like, bad weather is coming, and they play outdoors in Buffalo. So the idea that, you know, they're going to be able to throw the ball 50 times a game in, like, a snow game or an icy, cold rain game, like, that's just not realistic. So they're going to have to be able to play defense and run the ball. This was a really good game to do it and get some of that stuff figured out. Uh, and I was just really happy to see it. Mostly because the the run-pass balance was right where I wanted it. 60% pass, 40% run. That's where I like it. And, I mean, look at the results. I, I've been arguing this point all season with people all over the internet. And it's just this is just another game that is evidence in my favor. And it didn't even hurt the run game either. So, Or it didn't hurt the pass game, I should say. So... Run the ball a little bit more. Run it better, though. You know, I don't need the Bills to be a run-dominant team. And in this game, they still weren't a run-dominant team, except for in the second half, where they wanted to close the game out. And they still ended up scoring even more, almost on accident, because it was like, hey, now we can take that one big shot downfield when everyone's focused on the run, and all those huge plays came, and you had two guys who were averaging more than uh, 20 yards per catch. So, I mean, to me that's more than enough evidence I don't I don't need more evidence but ultimately as long as the the run pass balance is like 70 30 I think the bills are in much better shape when it starts to sneak into 75 percent pass or higher is where they tend to get in trouble even when it's less than 35 percent is when they've struggled a bit here and there uh, in some of their losses so 60 40 is preferred but 65 35 is not a bad blend at all and they can get away occasionally with 
a 70-30 split depending on who they're playing. So I'm happy. I'm sure most of the Bills Mafia is happy. And they got a big game coming up against the Colts next week. Despite the Colts being 5-5 five and five and struggling here and there and having some, like, you know, disastrous kind of losses, um, they were 0-3 at one point, and now they're 5-5. Five and five, So that means they're 5-2 and two over their last seven. They're playing their best football of the year right now. They figured out that even with Carson Wentz playing well, they play much better when Jonathan Taylor is the name of the game. You know, the, the better he runs the ball, the better they do as a team. And it allows Carson Wentz to play more effectively. Oh, the Rams just faked this field goal. Did they pick it up, though? Nope, not even close. Down 21-7, getting ready to close out the half. They go to a fake field goal. And this is like a designed holder rollout. And he throws it in the flat to backup tight end, I want to say. No, that was Higby. Oh, no, he dumped it underneath. So it was designed to go to Higby, but there was good coverage. So they went to whoever the backup tight end is. Looks like Brayton Braxton. Uh, that play went nowhere, though. Uh, that's a play where they should have kicked the field goal. I have Matt Gay as their field goal kicker, so I wish they would have kicked the field goal. Um, but that was stupid. They obviously feel like they're not able to stop this 49ers team right now. So... It's going to be an interesting second half. They're down two scores. The Niners win. Like, they keep their season alive. It really puts the Rams in a bad spot in terms of this hype that they had after they beat the Bucks. I said I was done talking about the Rams earlier, but that play just... I couldn't help it. Anyway, back to the Colts. They're pretty good. Uh, There's certainly no walk in the park. They're a massive step up in competition from the Jets so if the Bills go out there and fold in all the kind of stuff that we saw this weekend and they go beat the Colts next week then I think that's a really promising sign that they've got some things figured out because the Colts actually have a pretty solid defense good offensive line good ground game so they're gonna make it tough they're gonna make those possessions count and we're gonna see what the Bills D-line is made of in terms of shutting down the run because you know, they did a decent job against Henry, but he still cracked the big one against him and put up a really dominant stat line by the end of it. Uh, I think he had like 143 and three touchdowns. Cannot let Jonathan Taylor do that. They're going to have to contain Taylor, force Carson Wentz to win it, because despite only having three interceptions, Carson Wentz seemingly makes like a disastrous play every single week. And I've seen like three or four of them where it's just like, you're looking at the TV like, what is he doing? It's pouring rain, and he's in the grasp, and he's on his way to the ground. He just, like, throws it blindly with his offhand, and, or he's getting he's about to get safetyed in the end zone, and rather than just take the safety, he puts the ball in his left hand and throws an interception that's returned for a touchdown. Like, crazy-ass shit. So I think the Bills have the kind of defensive pressure to make that game difficult for... Wentz and to force that mistake but it's going to be a lot harder to force that mistake if they let Jonathan Taylor dictate uh, everything else so you know for what it's worth the Colts are a good opponent they're better than their record indicates if not for that aforementioned mistake 
against the Titans that led to an overtime loss or a like 22 point collapse against the Ravens in the fourth quarter of their game, they would be seven and three right now and have seven wins in a row. So the Colts do not suck at all. And it's going to be a tough game. So the Bills need to get their film study on and figure out what kind of defensive line formations, uh, sorry, groupings they want to use in order to mitigate that run damage as much as possible. Like I do have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy. It's going to be sad because I have the Bills defense too. So it's going to be an interesting game. I don't know if I'm going to play all those pieces against each other. Uh, but it's going to be a good one. I'm excited. I got like a little bit of nervousness too because I know that it's a big game for both teams and it's a playoff rematch from last year. So keep an eye out for that one. And until next time, uh, go Bills. Thanks to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. If you enjoyed it, please help me out by liking, subscribing, sharing, wherever you get your podcasts. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can contact me at info at And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills! Go Bills!